You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, we saw this Mishnah. Uh, we reviewed it again yesterday uh, for those who were not here uh, two days ago. And just to make it a little bit better to read. And we saw this Mishnah, and we referenced, as you remember, uh, the Rashi in Chumash uh, sort, of, sort of give us give us a background of what this is about. And um, we talked about on uh, two days ago and yesterday, we spoke about the issue of the lack of unemployment money that's being given, the Shevis, that the Shevis seems to be quite little from our perspective, from the way we look at it. And the, um, and, uh, we already saw that Rashi in Chumash and here in the Mishnah actually explains why. Let's take a look at this Rashi in the Gemara, and then we'll do Rashi. I'm going to do one last thing here. I want to um, find for you what we looked at yesterday as well, and that was the uh, that was the Rashi in Chumash, which I'm going to put up here for you. Okay, so let's look at this Rashi one more time. Rashi and Chumash, and we're going to compare that to Rashi in the Gemara. Rashi and Chumash says, how do you pay uh, unemployment com- compensation, the fact that you can't work? Let's do the Rashi again. How much you owe because of this illness that's keeping you in bed? In other words, the assumption is, of course, that the person will not die. In other words... He might not, he's not going to be what he was before. As we saw in the Mishnah, and Rashi, of course, um, uh, mentions it uh, as well uh, a little bit here, that we're talking about uh, not just a punch in the solar plexus, like we were talking about Donald attacking Joe or, and, 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 and really you know, giving him a, a, a beating, but actually, uh, as we can see, he actually does something permanent. And that permanent damage is, as we said, included in Nezek. And we talked about that two days ago, and we'll review that today in a minute. So let's read again. In Kita Yodo as Oraglo, which of course means more than just a punch in the solar plexus, as you can see here in the English, cutting off his hand or foot. So even though he's going to be in bed and won't be able to really get out there and do his do any sort of job for about a month or two, we say, what would a Shomer Kishuin, what would a Shomer Kishuin have lost in that period? What would a Shomer Kishuin not have had? Because even after his illness, he can't do what he used to do. We talked about this yesterday, if you remember that he isn't able to go on speeches. He isn't able to walk uh, the miles that's needed in order to give these motivational talks, if that's what it was that Joe's job was before. And he's already paid him, as you can see, and my, uh, my, curse, my, um, my mouse has stopped working, so I'm using, uh, using, I'm using the, my own uh, fingers here. And he's already paid him 
the amount that the yad and regal is worth, which is actually a later pasuk where it says yad tachas yad regal tachas regal. So we find very similarly this Rashi is what we looked up to give us a background. Rashi the Mishnah tells us basically the exact same thing here in the Mishnah. Call yemei hakoli. As long as he's ill, Roanoso, Ki'iluhu, Shomer Kishuin. We mentioned yesterday why it's, it's cucumbers and not corn and not some other sort of vegetable. And that's the reason I think because, you know, it doesn't take much for you to, the cucumbers grow pretty easily on their own. Uh, you just need the right type of uh, ground for it. You know, so he doesn't have to do so much work. He doesn't have to be so mobile. And no sense, Chiroso, Shokoyo. And we give him whatever that would a cucumber watcher would have gotten. Because he can't do something that's really hand or foot intensive. Because he's already lost his hand. And that's being taken up by the Nezek. Okay? So that was the idea that we saw in, in Rashi and Chumash. And once again, Rashi here in the Mishnah. Um, this is not really our subject, but there is, of course, uh, a different law when you're referring to an Ebed. Kiyake Ishes Avdo, Oes Amoto. In other words, what we just saw here, and we talked about this yesterday, uh, the idea of imprisonment, the idea of waiting to see if you're a murderer or not, that does not apply by an Evid. And this is one of the places that people have looked at the Torah and said, oh boy, the Torah does not seem to be, does not seem to value human beings. Um, it really isn't our subject, but we are looking at the Pesukim and the Torah. It's worthwhile to know that putting someone, like in other words, here, when you hit a regular person or two people who are not slaves, regular is the wrong term, I'm sorry, but a, a person who's not a, an Evid. So then, as we saw in the words, Venika Hamak, Venika Hamake, remember from yesterday, what we saw was that now the assailant is off the hook, which means he won't be off the hook if the person dies, which, as Rashi pointed out, and we saw yesterday, the parallel to two other places in the Torah where if you don't know what's going on, we, we, we put the person in a mishmar. That was by the Megadev and the um, Makoshesh, where they weren't sure what the death sentence was. Anybody who attacks someone so violently that there is the chance that the person might die, that person, despite the fact that the death does not occur instantaneously or within a day or two, he's still held responsible as the murderer. So that is a law that applies to um, to free men that fight each other, that get into a one person attacks another one. That's not the case if a person is hitting his evid, or, as you can see, his maidservant. Okay, uh, that could be man hitting a woman, or woman hitting a man, or woman hitting a woman. Either way. Um, and there you can see that if there's if there is immediate death, then as you can see, he shall surely be avenged. That is what occurs. 
and we're not going to spend so much time on this at all. However, as you can see, if he lives for a day, then we do not charge him. A very, very um, <laughs> complicated, again, if you look at it on the surface, it sounds like, what, you know, if he dies right away, he is a person. If he doesn't die right away, he's not a person. How's that different than what it is uh, by two free men? In other words, by a free man, if he dies three days later, we take the assailant and we, we prosecute him for murder. If it's an Evid, and it's your Evid, we say, if it's a day, we say, you're, you're a killer. But if it takes longer, we say that, no, you're not going to, you don't have to be judged as a killer. And the reason the Torah gave, as you can see, is, and of course this is not so politically correct, because even though he's a person, we, we, we balance that with the fact that he is your Evid. Um, and then again, there's a lot of theories here to explain why it makes sense. In other words, if he dies immediately, that means you, you abused your power. A person dies within a day, clearly you attacked him in a way that you should not have attacked him. You attacked him in a way that was um, yeah. we have somebody who I think is trying to join. See. Um, you've attacked him in a way that you should not have attacked him. Because why is he dead? He's your, you know, why did he die so quickly? What's going on with you? How could you hit a person so so egregiously. So it sounds like, again, we're saying there's a difference. We understand that the relationships that existed in those times were different. Let me just underscore this with one other point. I don't know if it bothers you or not, um, but just if you take a look at the Rashi, Rashi says, if someone else hits him, right, if someone else struck him, even if he lingered for 24 hours or more, the other person is responsible. So it's not about an Evid's not a human. It's not about the fact that Evid is not a life that, 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 that is essential. It's that we understand what was going on in between the Evid and the master. Most of, now again, I, I always say it wasn't like the antebellum South where they were constantly beating the person. However, to say there was no corporal force, to say there was no physical um, pushing, to say that that did not occur, that would be a historical inaccuracy. You would be wrong. Clearly, the Torah says it happens. You take your shavit and you hit him. Um, and that is what happened. So that's the way I think, honestly, you have to look at this. Um, like I said, this is not a discussion about the moral aspect of slavery or the Torah sanctioning of slavery or being an Evid. But I think that's really what's going on is that, um, that we figured that what happened over here was um, a result of, uh, of something. Well, let me say it even better. Um, and, and I'm going to get a little bit of discussion on this since we are talking about it. Uh, he's your property. You probably don't want to kill him. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's worth money. Uh, he or she are worth money, and maybe you paid money for them. So we sort of give you the benefit of the doubt that you wouldn't just want to like tear into that person and just rip their their guts out or or, or, or kill them. Whatever it is, we figure that it might have been overzealous, 
but you weren't trying to viciously attack and to just kill the person. That does happen. The people get into a rage like that. But I think, um, can you imagine, let's say a person would get so upset that his car broke down, um, you know, and, uh, you know, he wasn't, he has a, you know, a 2020 car that's, that, that for some reason the, uh, the transmission wasn't working well. So can you imagine the person taking a, you know, and now you know, the car shows up at the, uh, at the mechanics and it's got a bunch of dents in it. And it's got a bunch of cracks in it. Do we think that the person really, you know, took out a tire iron or took out some chains and started banging and smashing the car uh, to the point that he just got so frustrated that he wanted to destroy it? Probably the reason why those bangs are there is because, who knows, he was stuck and a bunch of hail came and, 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 and hammered the, the front of the car or something else happened. That's probably what occurred. Most people do not get so upset at their property that they actually destroy it. I think that's also part of what's going on here, that we understand that violence or corporal punishment happened, that you ended up hitting this thing, that you end up hitting this person, not thing, but this person, it did occur. And secondly, though, we assume that most people who do use that do not hit to the point of killing. That's not really what it's about because killing would mean you don't have that person anymore and that's a total loss. There's no one you can get that from. So that is, I think, part of what justifies the Torah's perspective. I, I, I agree that it does not, I agree that it does not sound um, beautiful from today's, from today's looking at things, but I think that's the way we need to, to view it. Um, Again, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I think, again, you know, one of the, um, you know, we're sort of getting off topic here and we don't have that much time, but uh, one of the uh, questions, um, you've heard of uh, Rav Kook, I'm sure all of you have heard of Rav Kook, when he came there to Israel about over 100 years ago, uh, many, there were many young people in Eretz Israel, and they knew that Eretz Israel was going to be a new place. They knew it was going to be a place that like a, they'd have a new type of country. Yeah, people would be keeping mitzvahs, but it would be our own country. We, we would sort of be able to redo things we hadn't done before. So there was a young man named Moshe Zaidel who ended up uh, writing a number of svarim. You can look him up. Zion Yud Yud Dawid Lamed. And he wrote to Rav Kook about the idea of uh, Abdus. And he said, you know, I have a hard time understanding it. I mean, the whole civilized world has, has outlawed slavery. And here we have it in the Torah, and I'm supposed to, you know, become a Torah teacher. You know, I'm going to maybe become a teacher and teach children about this, and we're teaching new children there to Israel. How are we supposed to really teach this? And when you have a, a law like the one that we are looking at, it really brings to the fore the idea that, that Abdus is something. I'm, I'm not even getting into the other halachos about Abdus, which are that you're not supposed to free your Evan. We have a, a shear on um, uh, that... Um, you know, we, we talked about it in, uh, in one of our other shiurim about, uh, about this uh, uh, love in the Torah, about not freeing an Evan, uh, how you're not supposed to ever. Um, you're over an assay only for certain circumstances. So when you have things like this in the Torah, you say, okay, how, how can the Torah say this? How can the Torah say uh, such a thing? Um, it seems to go against the way the world is today. So Rav Kook Satsal tried to explain it based on the way things were then. 
And he said, most of the time, the people who had become Avodim were people that had um, been from a very wild and unsophisticated and, and aggressive countries. Think about what the world was like. I mean, the world today, the way we see it, has been changed in many ways because of the Torah, right? Even when we talk about Christianity, and especially the Christian ideals, although they didn't always live up to it, but the idea of, of, of the sanctity of the human life and the soul, all these things are things that Christianity took from, from the Torah, and they spread that idea. And Islam, similarly. So Christianity and Islam, which spread over most of the civilized world, had these ideas that the Torah had about, about, about people and about nobility of people and the potential of people to become things, and the idea of even one God and one God creating us in his image. But those ideals were not what was standard when the Torah was given. When the Torah was given, and for many, until the rise of Christianity and then Islam, many of these countries where the, the, the Jewish people were engaged in war and conquering with, the people that came from those countries were very aggressive, very brutal, and didn't have any a concept of what it means uh, to live the way we do, the way everybody lives today. So therefore, Abdus, as Rav Kook says, might be a positive thing because it changes the people who are brought into the Jewish fold. Yes, they, they, uh, they, they occupy a secondary place, but they do, they do get the benefit. Can you imagine? Uh, they see what it means, a Shabbos. They see what it means, a Yontif. They see what it means to, to, to worry about halacha. They see what it means to care about God. They see what it means. So this, 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 this changes that. And therefore, it was for the benefit of those people. Now you'll say, if it's for their benefits, I'll let them become totally free. <laughs> right? And yet that doesn't happen. Uh, so this is why Ref Cook's answer is sort of, it's, it's, it's anachronistic. And um, in other words, it's based on the past. And it doesn't have the, the spirit of 76 or the spirit of 65 of the Emancipation Proclamation, which is, well, then free the person already. If, you, if you're changing them and, and you feel that they can be, right, the human beings can, can, can learn from seeing others, and go the next step and say, okay, now you don't have to be an Ebed anymore. I don't know. But, but that is what Rav Cook attempted to tell uh, of his idea. We only have a couple minutes here. Let's get a little bit of response from you guys. We have about four minutes here. Uh, let's get some response from uh, uh, Ephraim or, 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 um, or Yitzchok, right? Um, uh, do you have a little response on that? How you feel about the idea of Abdus in the Torah? Is it ever, ever, did it ever register with you at all? Is anything that, that made a difference to you? Abdus or not? Prime, let's mm-hmm. speak up a little bit, okay? No, I don't have anything on it. You never thought about it, Ephraim, huh? No. Okay. How about you, Yitzchak? I never really thought about it. But do you see how if somebody is, is, is thinking about it, they can say, why is the Torah so out of sync with 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 the rest of the world, do you see how somebody could could ask that question? Yeah, yeah, and you could also probably see how, you know, it's important to have an answer, right? It's probably important to come up with some sort of answer, if possible. Um, so, um, 
So I, I think what Rav Cook Zatzal came up with is, is you understand what he was trying to say, right? The idea of, of where you're holding, this is pretty good. In other words, this is much better than you were. Now, you're still not in the same level as a person with 100% rights, right? As you can see from this halacha that we've been studying about. You're still not on that level, but at least you're better than you were before. Um, now, uh, if you'd ask that person, you might say, I don't want to work for somebody. I don't want to be an Evan. So Rav Cook said, you know, you can be a, an Evid and the person cares for you. He gives you your food. He treats you well. Um, he wants to take care of you because you're his property, right? I don't know. Any of you have pets? Do any of you have pets? Priam or Yitzchak, you don't have pets, do you? No. But you know that people take very good care of their pets, right? You've seen that. Their dogs, right? Um, now, I'm not saying a human's a dog. But you do care. You do connect to that. Or like I said, your car or whatever you own, you end up taking care of that in a very real way. It might be like a condescending way, but you do take care of it and you can't deny that. Um, uh, okay. So, I, so I'll tell you the um, one thing that's interesting, and we're going to stop in two minutes, um, you, you, you've heard of coal mines, right? Coal miners, you, ever, you know the idea of, of people going out and, and, and getting working in the, in the earth and bringing the coal out? Today, everything, you know, we use electricity, but, but coal is also something that, 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 that was pretty common. You're familiar with that, right? Now, it's very dangerous to get the coal because you need to go down into the earth. If they had to build these shafts, and go down in these elevators down into the ground. And many times what would happen is it was unstable. And people would work. First of all, they'd be breathing in. You know, we're all wearing masks and things like this. They would need to wear a lot of equipment not to breathe in all the soot and dirt and coal that would come into their nostrils. And many of them developed something which was called black lung because they were they spending so many hours down there that when they would when they would have x-rays eventually the x-ray machines were developed they saw that their lungs were black and and this would be of course uh cancer and other diseases lung cancer and other things but many people died in the coal mines because what would happen is is that the mine would 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 would, uh, would not be stable and then what would happen is everything would 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 plots and then they'd, okay, let's send someone back there and dig them out. Most of the time, the people had died. Sometimes there's a little pocket of air and they lived, but many times they would die. And then, you know what they would do? They would call again. Hey, let's, anybody else want a job? These people are dead. We need some new people. That was something that was happening throughout, not only the United, the United States and Virginia, and other places where there were coal mines, but in, in, in England and in, in, in other places that had, that was reliant on coal. And Rav Kook Sotsal said, that would never happen if the people who worked for you were your avodim, right? You think capitalism is so great? The guy knows that there's going to be other people that will take that job because, they're, because they don't have any money. 
and they're willing to take a high-risk job like that, even though it resulted in so many deaths. And of course, because of that, there was a lot of movement to have a union and change things. But Rav Cook said, uh, is what's happening today, he was talking about 100 years ago, is, is that so much better? Yes, the man is free, but he doesn't have any money. He's got a family and babies that he has to provide for. And the job that you have for him is a job where he takes his life in his hands and you don't care about him, really. You just want to try to use him like a slave. So Rav Cook told Rav Zaydel, that's not so much different, is it? In fact, maybe the Torah system is better than what is prevalent today. Okay? So that's an interesting take. Now, I don't know if it's, it, Rav Cook was willing to say that. Not so politically correct to hear that today, but that was one of the things that Rav Cook had said that he felt could at least get you to start justifying this idea. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.